0: Hello and welcome to Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast. Uh, thanks, y'all, for tuning in. And uh, we're here today with my good friend Mark Craig from the Star Tribune, thestartribune.com, who's uh, our NFL insider and our Vikings guy out at TCO. And uh, I'm Joe Oberly from Vikings Territory and Purple PTSD. So, uh, you know, this past you know a few weeks the vikings have been assembled out at tcl performance center and sometimes the pr staff trots out some people to talk to for the, with the media and i know that mark you were out there last week when when uh, daniel hunter was speaking somebody we haven't heard from from a long time ago and and you pass along to me he had some interesting things to say from the extent of his injuries to uh some other stuff, but uh, anything you can uh, impart for us today?
1: Well, I just, you know, from watching practice, I mean, obviously this is not not earth shattering news, but when you see 99 on one side and 55 on the other uh, in this three, four scheme that they have, that's going to make a big, big difference. If, if those guys are not healthy, uh, it's going to be a world of difference. I was actually talking to uh, two of the uh, outside linebackers that they, um, gave a lot of undrafted guys that they gave a lot of the record amounts of uh, for the Vikings, um, you know, money to, uh, but yeah, but I obviously caught up with what he had to say at the podium and everything. Uh, first time that he's talked since he was hurt. So uh, said he could have come back and played and, and had they made the playoffs. Um, you know, it's his, his, the way that he, and uh, and also some of the, the, one of the rookies, Janarius Robinson talked about how he hooked up with, uh, with the workout program that, uh, that uh, um, Daniil does down in Houston from um, Adrian Peterson, that group. Um, sometimes you wonder if, I mean, he looks like Superman, but we're seeing some, some chinks in the armor with the last couple of years. Is he, is he maybe training too hard? I don't know, but um, he looks great. He looks like Daniil. Um, this team really needs not just one of those guys, but both of them to stay healthy. Um, it's good to see him. You know, it's good to see him talking about the 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 scheme and uh, you know he where he feel you know thinks that his uh, comfort level is with uh, with what they're going to ask him to do. Now he's not going to be covering. I don't think receivers down the field. He's is he, he gets paid to be a pass rusher, and we're going to be seeing mostly that from him. Uh, just, just to take a step back a little bit about the injury,
0: I, did you? I found that kind of interesting that he said that. I, I'm not sure what to think about it for sure, but that he could have uh, come back and played in the playoffs because he was injured before the season, right? He didn't get on the field last year. Is that correct?
1: No, no, that was two years ago. He he hurt his neck and no. in, 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 we never. No. Last year, last year he, yeah, th- this past year, he you know, he got hurt in the cow on October 30 on Halloween. He oh, played like great. six six games last year, and, um, and he got hurt. From that? He could have
0: come back from that and played in the playoffs.
1: That's what they say, They You know, that's what he says. Uh, you know, so he had see, he had it in October. You know, so January, whatever, mid January, um, felt that he could have could have played with it. So C- certainly,
0: it's not as serious as a neck injury. As- but-
1: Go ahead. As as you, as a Vikings fan, knows, you have to worry about playoffs last year. So, and as uh, all, all, everybody who used to be employed by the Vikings, they realized they didn't make the playoffs last year. So, this is kind of like, uh, you know, hey, I could have played in the Masters last year, Joe, if I hadn't, you know, tweaked my back. Wow, cynical
0: Mark Craig this morning. Okay, now I know where I'm sitting with. Um, uh, you know, but it, it just says, I, I know that, uh, I think Anthony Barr had one of those and we've had the Vikings have had other players with those pectorals. So they may they aren't as serious as, as some other things, but, um, uh, you know, if he would have come back, I'm not sure it would have, uh, you know, I, I kind of wrote something this morning saying, you know, we might not be in the same place we are now, but, uh, uh, with a whole new regime and all these changes going on, had he come back and they won it won a game or something, you know, it might've changed the, uh, the dynamic of what's going on, or maybe wouldn't have, they'd, they'd have got their clocks cleaned and it would have been the same cleaning house that we've had this past off season. Well, yeah, I
1: mean, you could, you could go, you know, like I said, the kill shot for, it was, I guess, fittingly or ironically, or however, whatever word you want to use was, uh, you know, for Zimmer, all the things that, that uh, fell into place injury wise. And this happens to all, all different teams and everything, but, you know, uh, was Kirk Cousins not being able to play at Green Bay. You trot with your with your job, your regime on the line, you're trotting Sean Mannion out there to, uh, to try and stay alive in the playoff hunt. So, uh, yeah, a lot of things, you know, ultimately, and it's kind of funny. I think I did poke fun at Zimmer about this a few times when he would trot out all the if, 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 you know, if this hadn't happened, this hadn't happened. Of all the people that should know, you are what your record says you are. It's a Bill Parcells disciple. So all these things that, that happen, happen to a lot of teams. And um, so like the Rams were able to stay, you know, healthy last year and the Bengals were one of the healthiest teams too. So uh, maybe some of, the, of all the things that, sh- that uh, Kevin O'Connell is bringing from LA, it's, you know, maybe that maybe the, the most important piece he's bringing is the guy who was uh, part of the their training program and their health program out there has come here to lead the Vikings uh, in there in that area. So, you know, that's, uh, that could be uh, as big a part as anything is if this guy has a system, a lot of times it's luck, but I mean, you talk to Bud Grant is the ultimate in the durability department, but you ask him, why were the Vikings in the seventies and you know different era, obviously, but the sixties and seventies, they were the most durable franchise in the history of sports. And uh, he'll tell you a lot of it's just, just luck
0: yeah it really is but it you know it's it also uh you can mitigate some of that luck you know you bring up sean Mannion at, at lambeau field and all of a sudden it comes creeping into my head i i went over there and watched joe webb play on lambeau field in the playoffs against the packers because uh christian ponder got hurt so badly before that it's uh it, it, your your backup quarterback is, is more important than we know. The Vikings have been kind of lucky with Kirk Cousins in his tenure here. He hasn't he hasn't missed a game, I don't think, and he's really – other than the, the COVID game you just mentioned. But so that just goes to show you right there, you've got to have somebody that can step in and do something or else uh, it's over. And you kind of made the point that if those guys, Zedaria Smith and Hunter aren't healthy this year, Taking, of course, the negative view. You could have said, "Now, if if they're healthy, look how much difference it's going to make." But you, it, it's a. I led yeah. with
1: that. I led with that, Joe. I said I, when I was out there, it's there's a there's an appearance of the you know these two guys, you know. It's like when you line up a bunch of guys, you say who doesn't look like the others? It was those those two guys, you know. So, yeah, I, uh, it, they they will be a force, and they got to both be healthy, I believe, because yeah. if there's just one of them you're going to find out um, that teams can, can can turn their offense to one or the other's attention. Um, to me, I think if I'm Z'Darrius Smith, I'm probably happier uh, than I've been because I think about the attention goes to, uh, goes to Daniel if Daniel is, is healthy. Now, uh, you know, and those guys are famously
0: buddies from from before they got into the pros. Uh, they knew each other and I think they're excited to play together. And uh, you, you mentioned to me that, you uh, Smith has, well, we, we all know he, he he learned about the purple people eaters and he's kind of brought those echoes back. Uh, do you, uh, do you, you know, I you're you curious, I, I guess, did he talk last week? Did Smith talk and he said something about creating a sack dance with him and Daniil? yeah, I believe he did, he did,
1: he did speak at some point. I, I, uh, yeah, he talked about a sack dance and I, I just, uh, it's it, it's fun, yeah. Everybody loves to, even Daniil, who's you know his work ethic and the way that he even when he got got that big big contract you know he would it, it he still was going through that adrian peterson type um program down there um you know in houston and working out it never affected how he trained or how he prepared himself but he, even he has a sack dance he's got the door thing that he does so that's just part of like i'm just i'm teasing i'm not i'm it's not the oh, don't yeah. say, uh, although i do love the whenever i do i say something on on Twitter and they send me the Bart, the uh, the Simpsons of the guy, the old guy yelling at the clouds. Uh, I love that, that, that meme uh, old guy yells at clouds or something. Uh, but it's kind of funny listening to, uh you know, uh, you would know better than me. I, I was, uh I think everyone who was old enough to remember the seventies, uh, I don't remember watching football in the sixties, but I do remember, I have enough memory of, of like the highlights, you know, the, Vi- the Vikings were, were made for the John Facenda, the, the uh, NFL films with the, with the, you know, the, you can see the breath and everything. But everything. I don't remember, I don't remember Alan Page, the, the greatest player in this franchise's history ever having a sack dance or Jim Marshall or, or Alan Page or, um or Carl Eller, uh, having a, any kind of sack dance. So, you know, it's, uh, it's the modern thing. I, I would love to see, you know, kind of just, uh, like Earl Campbell would score, and he would just walk over. He he looked like he's 80 years old, and he couldn't get back to the huddle, but he just hand the ball. So but it was um, a, te- but a
0: teammate of his, or a, a fellow alumni of the Houston Oilers, that uh, that started it all. Billy White Shoes Johnson. Oh yeah, first first touchdown celebration. I remember at the time, people were loving it, and I I was like you, and I'm I'm not I'm not yelling at any clouds, even though they're they're nice and pretty today, but. uh, uh, he uh, he did it. You kind of go. Why don't you just you know act? I mean, Bud even said back then, act like you've been there before. That was a that was a quote from Bud Grant back in the day, and and it has uh, grown and evolved into the sack dance. You know, and in and, and I always you know I always thought I was compared to this. You know, in fantasy football, you get you know a point for an interception but to get a point for a sack and I said what are you talking about they still got another play with well, an, an interception is a turnover they lose the ball and so i i, I always thought the sacks got more um uh importance uh, and value from everybody than they do and I, I may be wrong on that but i you know cuz they they do can they can thwart and change an offense but you know you still got you know if it happens on second down you got third down or even fourth down you can still you know, get that first down.
1: So yeah, well, would you rather have third and two or third and twelve? Sacks well, yeah. are important. Pressures, pressures, are, pressures are important. Pressures, uh, sacks can be. Um, you know, um, one of Jar- Jared Allen and I have talked about. Uh, one of my favorite bloopers of all time was Jared Allen chasing the the Lions' quarterback out of the end zone. Um, <laughs> the guy who's on the TV now, uh, but he was you know, that's a sack. That's, that's a sack and a safety. And Jared Allen was the closest Viking. Uh, he, and Jared should get credit because he was the, he was the monster chasing yeah. the guy that caused him to run out of the end zone, uh, a good foot and a half out of the end zone. But yeah, it's, um, to me, it's, it's this defense will, could be very, very good. If those two stay healthy.
0: My uh, uh, favorite uh Sacked by Jared Allen. As a matter of fact, I think came against the line as well. I think he had two guys that were blocking him, and he reached through the guys and still grabbed the quarterback with his arm and got him down. It wasn't in the end zone, but it was close. And I just said, "Oh my goodness, that's a strong individual." But yeah, yeah, that's that's my uh, shouting at clouds today. That uh, sacks are overrated, even though they're not. Um Yeah. You know, there's do you think, uh, looking at your note here, is do you think that uh, <clears throat> they have the potential to be one of the best sand sack tandems in the league? Uh, a hunter and Zedarius Smith, if 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 uh, uh, um, they stay healthy, as you pointed out,
1: yeah, I mean, I, um, yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, Daniil, no nobody, you know, Daniil Hunter, since they started keeping sacks as an official statistic, in – in 1982, Donnell Hunter was the fastest to get 50 of any player uh, when it was became an official stat. So, and, and Zadarius is, uh, you know, this is the the defense that he's thrived in. Um, you know, with, this, with the Packers, he had 25, 26 in a two year period before he got hurt. Um, you know, he came back. He did come back. He did actually, you know, the Packers. I don't know if you knew this. They made the playoffs last year. He came back and he did, and he did play in the playoffs. And he did play in the playoffs, so, yes, uh, so 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 you know he's far along in his recovery, and uh, you know I worry a little bit about the defensive line. You know, it just doesn't seem like there's enough there that there's enough, you know, starting uh, talent, let alone depth. But they uh, had
0: some they get they got some headway back last year without a Hunter or Zedaria Smith. I think you throw those two guys in on that front, and you know those guys, like want them and, and somebody, they, they might, they might be able to even thrive, you know, with that much attention going to those guys. I don't know.
1: Maybe I don't know the three, four. Well, well. Want them will be one of the outside linebackers. You know, The defensive ends are now basically defensive tackles, unless you're, unless you're like a JJ yeah. Watt or someone like that. That's, you know, JJ Watt. Um, <laughs> There's a couple of years with all pro. I think JJ Watt, and they, they had to rework on the, making sure we defined who was interior, who was a, uh, who was an yeah. edge rusher and all this stuff? Because there was a there were times where a guy like J.J. Watt would make it as an edge rusher and he'd make it as a as a into like a tackle because you know, it's a three four versus a four three. So you know th- those are the kind of guys that could play any. What about any the guy that
0: they got picked up from free agency? You don't like him, uh, Harris. What what is his name? Oh well, yeah,
1: it's uh, they got three you know three spots along there. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, who I I I don't think. You know, wildest last year. I, you know, yeah. I, that's me. Uh, Harrison Phillips is the guy they got from Buffalo. I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, but you know, th- that leaves Armon Watts as your third starter on the defensive line. He's a good. I don't. I mean, they he could surprise us. I, I think he does have the ability, the skill set that he can. He's not just a four uh, three defensive tackle. He can be that three four tackle. Um, but you know, after that. You know, there's there's not a whole lot proven there that um, it could be a little thin. I think, you know, but they're maybe they're not done. I know that they don't have a lot of money, but you know, there's a, a Sheldon Richardson. I think would fit. You know yeah. this this what they're looking for. He would be an interesting because last year he was so versatile. He ended up playing you know defensive end in a four three, which he's he was just a one year contract. Yeah, well, exactly. yeah, he's he's a he's a free agent now, so. Uh, he hasn't signed anywhere, so I don't think he's done playing. You know, he's 31. You know, he could be a guy. They could still be adding guys to this roster, you know, between now and then. I haven't spent a lot of
0: time looking at a 3-4, three, three, but, I mean, you got three down, down linemen. Is, is it potential that you can have five guys if you take those two edge directors and rush them all in the quarterback? Is that – is that part of the design and and hopefully get get home before they exploit just two linebackers sitting back there trying to cover underneath? Is is am, am I looking at that right?
1: Yeah, and and like the Packers, you know, there's there's different ways of playing this. I mean, you could. I mean, they also have lined up in, in four three. You know, they're, they're going to be kind of a multiple look. Uh, I don't think we're going to. You know, the three four is going to be their base defense, but they've shown some in here in the springs four three three four. Uh, But also like the Packers, you know, there would be times where you'd see one guy, two guys, you know, down and, and you, you know, they got some players that they can do some things with, you know, uh, now that they got the safety sign or seen that they drafted, you know, Cam Bynum becomes a guy where if you're going to, if you're going to like play a bunch of defensive backs, he's a perfect guy to have. He's got cornerback ability, but he's a safety. Um, You can do a lot of different things. It's not, wouldn't be, be just three guys. It'd be two guys down. Uh, so Indeed. they they have the ability. Yeah, I mean, yeah. To me, it's 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 um, you know Zimmer's defense ex, or any defense. Leslie Frazier's was considered a, you know antiquated by the time he left. Well, that was because everyone got old. It wasn't uh, archaic or or outdated when when Jared Allen was still in his prime and Kevin Williams and Pat Williams were in their prime, and uh, you know uh, Greenway and those guys were were playing. You know, in their prime and playing well, and, and they had a secondary, Antoine Winfield. Um, you know, so a lot of this is, you know, it's uh, you, you can get bogged down in too many schematics when it's yeah. it's ultimately, do you have the players to be better than the other team? That's uh, that to me is always what it comes down to. Do you have the players? And the coaching is important. It's just, it is important in the NFL, but you've got to have health. the players,
0: and they're healthy. Yeah. One one more schematic question about this, just so I'm just trying to educate myself, uh, and I'm sure all the listeners are going, God, what's wrong with this guy? But uh, is is in a three five or three four? You're gonna have the three three linemen up front, you know, to try to hopefully handle the run. You got the linebackers, or I mean, the edge rushers that will rush in. But wouldn't you, as an offense, try to run outside those three offensive linemen, and then you're gonna have to have safeties who are gonna come up in run support and be able to tackle? which is maybe what uh why Luis Cena is going to be a, a nice addition with Harrison Smith in that regard.
1: Well, if you get the right players, it can be Adrian Peterson one of his worst games he ever had. And this was when he's in his prime. They went to San Francisco and played 3-4 uh, that had two really good outside linebackers and then they had the inside linebackers that were even better. Uh and he he rushed like 14 times for 3 yards. Um it's a lot, you know, it's People are doing different things, but it's it's, it's still kind of a, you know gap responsibility. Um, so, yeah, it can be with the right players. I mean, that's that's a hard defense to run against because the edge could be you know set by those those guys on the, uh, the you know, if you have Daniel Hunter and Cedarius uh, setting the edge and, and and getting after the quarterback or it's there's a lot of things that they can do with it. Um, yeah. It's gonna be fascinating. I think, I think, I think when you, when you look at a three, four, you know, I, I the Zimmer's defense, I thought when they, when they were had when they had the, when they had the players and they were all healthy, Everson Griffin and you had Daniil Hunter and they weren't missing any games. Uh, they were number one defense in uh, yards allowed points allowed. That's when they were healthy and they were, uh, you know, and Zimmer was, you know, stopping the run and then he was being creative on third down. I think the three, four will give, it gives you a lot of ability to be, even more creative, but ultimately you do have to stop the run. I know people don't like to talk about the run in the NFL, but it all kind of starts with If you, you can stop the run and then you can get creative on all these things when the, when it's third and long.
0: Well, it's going to be fun for me because being a, uh, a Viking writer and a Viking fan long time before that uh, for the, for the predominance of my time, paying attention to the NFL, it's been focusing on a four, a four-three. So sort to of. see this three-four and to see the different permutations, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy trying to figure it out and see what they're doing. So uh, that'll be fun. But I, I got to give Mark a break here. I've made him do talk scheme more than he. Uh, I'm not year.
1: I'm not a scheme guy. I'm more of like, okay, who, who are your players? Who 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 are who? Or like or an analytics guy? To me, it's like well, oh, fourth and one. You got to go for it. Fourth and one. If I have Lamar Jackson, I go for it. Fourth and one. If I have maybe Kirk Cousins. Or you know I don't go for it. You know what I mean it's like when, when, they play, when, when, they <laughs> play, when they play when they played the Ravens, there was a time where um, it's like uh, th- these are not hard calls. It's like if it's fourth and two, and you have him at, at the peak of his, uh, he's nothing's bothering him, and he can he can move around or run. It, that's where analytics gets kind of screwy for me because it yeah. it doesn't. That's I don't great point,
0: Mark. That's a great I
1: point. It, I don't know that it factors in the the person doing all this yeah.
0: stuff yeah I, I was just jump trying to jump on that I mean it, it it's when, when the analytics are out there and the numbers say this they are not looking at uh the person that are playing it. and when the fans are watching and they've got the numbers over here and say fourth and one says you should go for it well the coach has got to say well let's see I've got uh Kellen Mond's gonna run this one on fourth you know did I have him do that yet he's never had to do this before you know I mean whatever that that's gotta be a huge factor in making that decision. You know, what the heck you got? The guy that you can get it. Can he can he get that one more? You, you, you couldn't have said it better. If you got Lamar Jackson, yeah, you go for it on fourth and one.
1: That's funny. That's yeah, or or who you're playing. It's like uh Belichick maybe a handful of years ago uh might have been playing the Colts. Uh Peyton Manning. Uh, that, I think Belichick went for it in his own, I forget where it was. Like his own thirty-six yard line or something, right. and you know there were some questions about that. It's like you got to factor in who you're playing as well. If you're if you're um, if Christian Ponder's on the other sideline, you punt, you probably punt the ball, or uh, if Tom Brady or Peyton Manning's on the other side, you might lean more toward keeping the ball. You know,
0: yeah, it's 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 a factor in your decision making, but it's not an absolute. And sometimes people watching it or the the, the, the talking heads calling the game might say. Oh well, this chart says you should go. Why didn't they go on that one? Well, maybe they didn't have the guy to get it done. I,
1: I've never heard. I've never heard an analytics fan say that they should have punted in that situation. So, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the call. The call is to punt that ball. You know, no, I, I've never heard that. So we're going we're
0: gonna punt right now and take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk some more uh, purple on uh, Vikings territory breakdown. Welcome back folks to Vikings territory breakdown with myself and Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Mark, uh just a little bit more on Daniel Hunter. He's he's big news wherever he goes for this team. It was, you know, I I for one was happy that uh, uh, they didn't let him go. I, I I and it got even more exciting when the fact that you got Darius Smith joining him on the other side of the line. I am excited with the caveat out there healthy to just to see what they can do. But uh you know, Hunter's had Hasn't played much in the past two years, and uh, like you were intimating earlier, he, he spends some times working out, you know, and he's had plenty of time to do that. I'm th- you know, he's getting older, but he's he's still a physical specimen that he is. And you were saying that you you did a, uh, a piece at one point on a, on the training that that uh, Daniel Hunter's involved with, and he's fact, in fact, he's brought down Janarius Robinson, a four a fourth round pack, round Pick from last year who got hurt and missed the season to
1: train with him. Uh, do, can you
0: talk a little bit about that for us?
1: Well, I, yeah, it's been a it's been a few years now. You know, um, you know, talking to the guy who trains. I, I forget the guy's name, but um, it's called, called the O Athletic Gym. It's down in Houston, um, co-owned by Adrian Peterson's an owner uh, Trent Williams. So you know, two pretty good football players there. Um, and when they describe the, the workouts, it's it's just an insane amount of, uh, you know, if you look at DeNeal, that's that's how you look whenever you uh, – you uh, plus, you know, jeans and everything else. But um, taking full advantage of all of his skills. Um, <clears throat> and Janarius Robbins, I give him credit. I don't know Janarius that much. I don't know if I could pick him out of a lineup. but um, Because he was here last year as a fourth-round pick. COVID, we're not around these guys a lot. So didn't play. But it tells me a little bit about this guy that he sought out he sought out uh, Daniel and ended up going down there and it, he was <clears throat> he, he spent some time uh, was in the Star Tribune. I don't know if he, I don't know if this is a podium interview or not, but uh, they asked him about you know um, Daniel's workouts and he, or Daniil, he said he's a different guy. I can say the workouts are pretty crazy. It's something I've never really experienced. So here's professional athletes that got to the NFL that are you know that realize there's another level. Getting to the NFL versus like being like Daniel, or uh, to some to some degree like a a Patrick Peterson, you know, guy that can stay or Harrison Smith. That they're not they're not the Incredible Hulk, but they they're great athletes that that have played ten plus years because of how they train themselves and how what they you know what they do. So it's good to see a young guy like that take take a peek at, at. Daniil and say, Hey, you know, this guy can, can help me in my career. And now, you know, Daniil is not, uh, he's still pretty young, uh, but he's already kind of, he's a leader on this team. Uh, just like a, you know, he's a quieter, probably doesn't say as much as, uh, as even an, an, Eric Kendricks who's probably pretty quiet, but, um, his voice, his presence has, has a lot of weight, carries a lot of weight on this team. Not only is he you know, a great player, But he's also becoming one of those leaders that, you know, guys can gravitate to. You know, Mark, it's
0: really that's really the way it is uh, in professional sports. I mean, you see all these guys on draft day that we just went through uh, a few weeks back who are excited. They're in tears. You know, they know they've they've made it finally. This is this was the day they've been working towards. And it's really just a beginning. If you want to you want to stay, you want to succeed and you want to excel. In 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 pro sports, I mean, the best ones have always been workout mongers. They've been, you know, Jordan and uh, some of these people. Their their workout regimes are harder than than some of the games that they played. And so it, it really says a lot about Daniel and and why he's he's done well is because he's he has taken this and if he's if he's bringing other people along on the Viking squad, all the better because that's that's the way you're going to stick and that's the way you're going to you know have a career that. You know, you don't have to work afterwards uh, the rest of your life. May, maybe.
1: Well, I think what a lot of people don't under what what surprises a lot of people that aren't around the NFL that just you know aren't around NFL players around NFL teams, and it's, it even surprises us to some some degree sometimes. Is there? You, you just think that everyone who's in the NFL that that is um, that they want to be there, they want to play that foot they they live football. And that's not the case. There's some guys that yeah. are there, you know, for just like any other profession. There's there's some guys that are there to be the best and they want to be the best. And being good means a lot to them. There's some guys that are there that are, you know, frankly, they're there because they just were born to be there. And they, they don't, you know, they don't want it as much. And uh, you can just see it. And uh, it's just part of who they are. Um, and that those are the ones that, get, you know, they don't have the careers that they could have had. Um, that's why it's always nice you know I love I love the history of this game more than I probably like the current you know that I like the, the modern. Uh, I You're love the clouds again you can I mean, But you know, I, I had a, a conversation with uh, John Randall I, for a story I did that I just I texted him and then I talked to him because it just fit perfectly with the story I was doing. And uh, to hear you know like, like John Randall is probably the epitome of a guy. Who, you know, if he didn't have everything that John Randall had, there's no way he would have played. He wouldn't have made the NFL, let alone become a Hall of Famer mm. uh, and played 12 years or whatever it is. So he had the physical. He, in the end, he did have the physical ability, but it was his mind, and his drive, that made him who he was. Otherwise, if he didn't have that, he would have flamed out. He had a trout with the with the Buccaneers because it's only because his brother was on the team. Uh, coming out of college, you know, small school in, in Texas, and didn't make it, and then uh, ends up with the Vikings, and uh, Paul Wigan saw something, said, hey, you know, there's something about this guy, you know, and then now he's, not only is he a Hall of Famer, he's synonymous with a motor, you know, you got to have the John Randall motor, or try to have the John Randall motor, so, you know, that's, you know, I, I see stuff like that in, in a Daniil. Um he's not as you know, probably wired as like John Randall, but nobody um, is. Nobody is. Yeah. But the desire is there, the, um, the desire for, and Garrett Kendricks is there, the desire Harrison Smith, you know, they're, they're different types of, uh, intensity, but they're there. And that's why they're, you know, who they are. And there's some that
0: aren't, I mean, you had a guy like, uh, uh, Grant McKinney who had every, had every gift that he could have had coming in to play that position and, and football was just not his first love. I mean, it certainly, you know, had a nice career had a long career and and got paid, but you could tell he wasn't, wasn't loving it. And then Bernard Barry, and I knew he was just looking to, to, to make cash a check at some point in his as it went on. I mean, he played hard and, and did well, but I, I don't think he loved playing football. And he basically almost told that to the media some days, but uh um, so it never depends, but you, you, you bring up Eric Hendricks. Um, you know, I remember covering him when I was first out there and he got drafted and I always, I always thought, you know, he's so shy, he's so quiet, or maybe not shy, but quiet. And I always wondered about his love of the game, but when you see him on Sunday, you know, he loves oh, it. And I, yeah. I see him in practice, you know, it but I, I just remember, I think it was more him being in the, in front of the media that he didn't, he didn't feel so comfortable. But uh as you as you wrote in a note to me this week, he said he has really uh developed into a leader on this team. He w- certainly was one on Zimmer's defense, but uh I, I think the role is even growing a little bit more now in, in this new regime because did you say that he was part of the uh people that were trying to figure out where to go next after Zimmer or, or go ahead, Roy, say what you were. Well
1: thinking. he you know, uh, Kendricks is the one that dropped the bomb show. When they, when they fired uh, Spielman and they fired Zimmer. And, uh, you know, there are two guys that were kind of quoted on the same day. Uh, one was Brian O'Neill. Brian O'Neill is a, is a outstanding player, but he doesn't have the, you know, they asked it basically about, uh, you know, the, the culture and, uh, you know, what does, what do the Vikings need to do going forward? And, and, you know, O'Neill said something about, made a comment about, you know, be you know, like it's, it's as simple as like in the hallway, how you doing coach saying, how you doing, uh, Eye contact, stuff like that, um, kind of just you know throwaway quote. And um, but when um, when Kendrick's came out and said, "I don't think a fear-based uh, approach is the way to go," that was a was a cannon going off because that was a Zimmer guy, that was an All-Pro first-team guy. Who, if he doesn't hurt his calf uh, the year after he goes first-team All-Pro, he's two-time All first-team. All pro. In fact, I thought about voting. Even though he had only had eleven or twelve games, I almost voted him on my ballot, my AP ballot, is as, as a first teamer. Um, so he 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 has this uh, this power. Is uh, not only is he a great player, and uh, as far as his love for the game. I mean, you don't you don't get to where you are, where he is, without a love of the game. Because in Zimmer's defense, what made him great because he's he's, a, he's undersized uh, but certainly big enough to play the position and because he's a little undersized is why he could play the position in a in the modern way that it needs to needs to be played uh, but anticipation was so much of what made him great I mean he saw things before some of the offensive guys saw it he saw plays unfold uh, you don't get uh, to that level mentally without uh, without a love for the game so uh, when he said that, um, you know, then then it became a leadership group together. And ultimately, and that, I don't think that was just a Zimmer thing, you know, fear-based. Because, you know, I think, you know, Kendricks was, like I said, he was a Zimmer guy. Zimmer loved him. I think he liked Zimmer. Uh, but I think it might have had as much as, like, the, the training program. Because because you know, Eric had some injuries that I think he got pressured probably from a uh, Sugarman to come back and you know trying to balance protecting himself versus you know long-term versus that demand to get back on the field. So I don't, I think that was kind of more of a, or that was a, a broader base thing that just Zimmer needs to go. and You need to have someone different than Zimmer. But I think once, you know, they, they decided to do this, all this, uh, you know, we're, we're all going to share and everything. It started kind of with the, the, the players being organized uh, in the leadership group. And, and Kendrick certainly is a, is the a leader of that group, talking to the to the ownership, and I think the ownership values his his voice above all others out there, and that's a little different because typically that we would you would think that that would be the quarterback. Not saying that Kirk isn't you know part of that, but if you had to, if you had to, someone had to say who's the leader on this team, if you had to pick one guy, it'd be Eric Kendrick.
0: It's like that old commercial. I can't remember what it was. When so and so says something, people listen because, yeah, Eric. You know that, that was my first impression that he was a little bit reticent to talk. But uh, certainly, yes, he loved the game. But uh, he's a quiet guy, and so when a quiet guy all of a sudden says something, you know, it it sometimes carries more weight than than somebody's out there rah rah and trying to fire you up in the in the huddle right. before the game. You know exactly.
1: And, and and a lot of this started where he realized. I think where he realized. He had this voice, this power. Was um, was around the George, George Floyd time uh, when that happened, and the NFL. Um, the NFL issued a couple of release statements that it didn't kind of meet the muster of what people expected the NFL to say. And I believe you know, Eric Kendricks did part was part of a video, a leading part, maybe him and Barr, of talking about you know, what the NFL, how, basically how they should have handled this or whatever. And that made a big, that made a, that was a loud voice in the NFL Uh, because it came from here, obviously. And it came from a a guy like him and a a guy like Barr at the time. Um, And then I think he became more and more comfortable in that role of, you know, Hey, I I guess, uh, you know, And it's good that he's not a rah rah. You know, you can go out there. And sometimes people have said this about Kirk. Whenever he was, he was kind of going through that. You know, he he led the cheer one time, and then uh, they won, and then that became kind of the the you know you'd see it on the on the website, on the Vikings website. Um, And I thought it was a little just a little too cheesy for my taste. But and I'm sure if I felt it, you know, just on the outside, I'm sure there's somebody in within the locker room that's like, you know. Well I think we saw as much like with some of the things everson Griffin said uh, when he right. left the team before he came back and had to sort of backtrack a little bit um but yeah it uh, there's a difference you know, uh, Eric Kendricks, that that voice that uh, that ability and I, he's not done and it'll be uh, he's gonna figure out how to to make this three four work for him even though he was he was as you know he knew that defense as well as Zimmer and probably better because he's lived it. Um, yeah. But I think he – and it also happen, helps, helps having Jordan Jordan Hicks next to him because Jordan Hicks is a guy that's been in this defense. He's a smart guy, very impressed yeah. with that guy, his voice as well. So um, it's going to be good, though. It's going to be interesting to watch those linebackers, those four linebackers, if they can stay healthy, uh, just how uh, – what they can do with this defense. You know, uh, the one thing I do worry
0: about with Kendricks is uh, how much longer he's going to be around here. Because you know, he, Bar, he him and Barr were teammates at uh, in in Los Angeles in UCLA, and and uh, Barr came out a year ahead of him, and now he's basically probably done. And so I worry how much longer do we have Kendricks? How old is he anyway? Do you, you know? You feel like he'll be around for a few more oh, years?
1: He, he just turned thirty. Um, okay, 30, 31. They're they're basically the same age, Um, and I I I feel uncomfortable saying this, but because I don't, you know, Anthony, you don't get you don't make as many Pro Bowls as as Anthony Barr did, Um, and you know, we all wanted Anthony Barr to be Lawrence Taylor. We all wanted him to make all these great plays and be this you know guy that leads Sports Center all the time. He he wasn't that type of player. Um, I I do wonder if because like. How much does it mean that Anthony? I'm sure it means a lot, but I could see the Anthony Barr right now being done. Yes, um, but I don't. I don't see Eric Kendricks just being done. I see Eric Kendricks. Uh, and again, I, I, this is a guess on my part because it's to me it's too disrespectful to like. I could say that about a guy who comes in, flames out in one year, and, and is a total screw up. And you know, I could, and I feel comfortable saying he didn't like the football, but. My guess is that Eric it means more to Eric, Eric Kendricks than it does to Anthony Barr. If that makes sense, yeah, I, I, that was kind of
0: my impression too. I mean, it, uh, Anthony Barr always this kind of cerebral guy, very articulate in, in the in the locker room, and and always had that sense of uh, slight annoyance that uh, annoying. This that when he had to talk to the media, but not terribly. he was never disrespectful. He just he just felt that there was something else in his life that he was focusing on as well football. He wasn't an eat sleep and you know what poop football. so uh, but you know i I uh, I'm, would just be surprised if he didn't play somewhere this year that he he if you know wanted to that somebody wouldn't sign him as a depth position for for a lot less money that he's making with, with the Vikings last year, but I would be a little surprised that he doesn't turn up on some roster at some point this season. Yeah. I
1: wouldn't, I wouldn't think that he would sign just to be a depth guy. You know, uh, money's pretty dang good. Yeah, uh, sure. sure. Uh, But he's probably got, got a little bit put away, I would imagine. Um, But there there are some guys out there that, um, you know, where are some of these guys that you, that you're thinking, okay, they, they got a little bit left in the tank. Right. Uh, we talked about shredder last week, and and injuries happen.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you never know. But uh, one other uh, thing I wanted to ask you in this <laughs> segment about uh, happened out at uh, TCO is this week. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, head coach, brought his brought a little something else from from Los Angeles with the big screen TV out on the practice field, and. Um. Can you tell me about that? How big is it? What what they're using it for? Or what did what did you think when when you saw it and and all such as?
1: That? Oh, it's just different. I mean, it's not anything earth shattering. It's just no. it's a it's a big screen. It's uh you know it's I don't know it's it's probably six of the big screens put together. And they what it's the purpose of it is is for players look up and, and see a replay of the play from a the uh, a coach's film from a you know like the end zone look at a. Uh, and it, so you know they're seeing it real time they're seeing it like right away so kind of i don't know that it's uh gonna win you the super bowl because the rams did it but uh thought it was interesting guys were kind of you could see guys looking at it uh, as soon as the play was yeah they get,
0: they're gonna get practice for during this season in the games when they're running with the touchdown and they can look up and see who's chasing me i've always thought that's the most amazing em- seed when when I, you know, it must be real time, but these guys would actually look up to see if there's anybody behind them, rather than having to turn around. And
1: look yeah, up. yeah, that's yeah, that's something that uh, they didn't have back in the day, Joe. No,
0: no, no, they didn't. Uh, it, it's it's a
1: it's a phenomenal thing,
0: and you uh, know, uh, I, I guess I wish I was out there just to see just to see the applications of it because it, it it seems interesting and if it bring if it brings uh brings value to help to their practices and helps them to perform better i'm all for it you know but uh it just seems like me and a place to uh practice your your celebrations after you're touched the on.
1: the the other thing the other thing of, though, you notice out there now with the the new number with the number rules it's it's things have gone crazy it's haywire there were two guys that walked by one's wearing number 49 one's wearing 66 and i joked and said those guys better get on with their life's work, because uh, I'm thinking 49 looked like a undersized linebacker, 66 looked like a undersized defensive tackle. Turns out it was a a really big kicker and a really really big punter wearing number 66 and 49. So, uh, so and you have Dalvin? I was, was backing it. Dalvin. I never seen a guy I love a number more than Dalvin Cook loves number four. I uh, even wrote a story about that, talking to his grandmother and his brother. And, you know, what is it about number four? Um, and it goes back to his older brother wearing it in a, uh, a, a little rec league in in Miami uh, that uh, it was just understood that the best player on the field wore number four. And that was his older brother, who was basketball. Um, so, you, and uh, by the way, uh, you, uh, we just had a conversation with uh, – O'Connell out there about, you know, people, maybe not me, uh, but whoever breaks down film and stuff and uh, gave some deep, too many details on, on alignments and everything where, where maybe Dalvin cook was lining up and uh, just lining up. It's sort of fascinating to get inside of a coach's, how many details are inside of a coach's head. I, I don't know if I'd want that much detail and paranoia in my head But uh, I'll just say I'll put it in general terms. You know, Dalvin Cook will be more involved in the passing game. I think uh, this year. You know, obviously he was a big screen guy, but I think we're going to see a little bit more than just screens. Um, Which is, you know, it's one of those where you uh, you can say that you're hiding it, but uh, once you start showing it for Week One against the Packers, and it's kind of in everyone's. Oh God! Here I thought that.
0: Us two guys would have no problem uh, with this because we're not scheme guys. But he, now, he, now you just outed Dalvin Cook as being more involved in the pass game. We're going to get shut down, Mark. Well,
1: but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but I'm not saying I'm not giving all the details. So,
0: so. okay, okay, I don't. Uh, it's let's... already
1: out there, so it's uh, uh, whatever. These coaches are a little. Uh, you you don't until they start. And of course, now we're in the much. You know, Zimmer Zimmer had a, had one of these that I didn't go to uh, before. He famously just barked at everyone and uh, kind of screamed. And you know, Zimmer Zimmer wore his his anger on his sleeve. Now it was more like, hey, you know, much much more friend. They're much friendlier now each other. That'll
0: change pretty, though if this keeps happening,
1: Because as the
0: closer they get to. The season, and if you're you're uh, you're telling some of their secrets, their competitive advantage, they'll start giving less to you. That's all there is. To well, it.
1: You, well, you see, you you're you you, you can not see any less than you see. Like once the season starts, uh, training camp, obviously, they they will have um, you know people that go to training camp don't won't see everything because the way the NFL is now, they don't even they don't even show you know. <coughs> They stopped stop showing things in preseason, obviously a long time ago, and now they don't show stuff in training camp. First of all, they don't do as much in training camp as they used to, but they don't show as much because they know that that someone, uh, in fact, O'Connell has made reference to this. You know, someone with the Packers could buy a ticket, come over here, and watch yep. training camp. So they don't show everything that they're gonna. Sh- that they'll do maybe yeah. in walkthroughs in the morning when no one's around, um, but this league is very much about, you know, you wouldn't think it would be this way, but they very much are in like trying to read everything that's written about every single team. And uh, if something's written um, about schemes, it's uh, not a good thing for these coaches. Ultimately it's like, you you think of me, if they got the better
0: players on the other side, that's going to make the difference. So
1: that's uh, yeah. To me, it's, you know, I, I, I keep I always go back to that uh, you know that, that cover two that uh, Leslie Frazier was running, and, and it was like you know when Zimmer came in. When, remember when Zimmer came in? It was, you know, oh we we are because you know that he in, he inherited the worst defense in the league, and then basically once his players he they couldn't afford to keep his team his defense together, his defense became one of the worst in the league, and now you know they've has uh, inherited that. But whenever Leslie Frazier had that defense, where they—you knew where Jared Allen was every single play, you knew where Pat and Kevin were every single play, you knew where Brian Robinson was every single play. You know the three linebackers, and they made it work when they were
0: on top of yeah. their game. Well, uh, as Mark said earlier, everybody's changing numbers, so this is going to be one of those. Years where the cliche of you can't tell the players without a program really comes through. So we'll have to. I'll get one before the season starts. Let's take a quick break here. We got one more segment this week on Vikings territory breakdown, and we'll be right back. Well, welcome back to uh, uh, Vikings territory breakdown with Mark Craig. Uh, you know, now we're gonna this final segment here this week. We're gonna try something that's just tailor made for two old white guys sitting around talking about sports, but. Uh, um, uh, Mark, he, he, talked about how Mike Pettin, uh, I'm not sure if it's official today, He's like an is, assistant head coach or defensive guy or whatever, but he spearheaded this diversity, uh, coaching summit to help minorities get in on the ground level jobs that lead to coordinator head coaching jobs. And, um, you know, it, I think it's a great thing, uh, that somebody's doing that, that, that anything you can do to, to help out uh, folks get jobs in the league that may not have the same chance as everybody else, or even if they do, uh, I, I think it's great. So hats off to them. But uh, could you tell us a little bit more about it and what, what your uh, thoughts are in that regard?
1: Uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a proactive way of, of handling a situation that uh, a lot of people have, have targeted as being an issue in the league. You know, like, like Eric Biennaby, not becoming a head coach is kind of confusing to me and a lot of people. <laughs> He's kind of like to become the one guy that you really look at and say, you know, there's so many guys that have gotten chances with similar uh, situations, mm-hmm. and um, but this is a way of um, we all know we all know that it's 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 a well publicized thing that we that's talked about over and over and over again, and I think what Petton and the Vikings are doing is good because they're they're taking a look and say, okay, how, how can we help as opposed to this is wrong or this, this they just need to just hire someone. Um, they're looking at it from, okay, um, a lot of these coaches that become head coaches start off as position coaches. Um, the minority, the black coaches are not, you know, one, one. They're, a lot of them, uh, according to like Petten laying this out, is a lot of them now are staying more in college because college, you know, cost of coaching in college that the what these guys are making is is I think in some cases they're making more to be position coaches in college than you were in in the NFL I know the wow. NFL came up with something um, this offseason where teams have to hire a minority on the offensive side of the ball because you don't see as many um, black coaches represented on offense as you do on defense uh, the Vikings have Keenan McCardell, who's one of the, you know, he's one of the few guys that survived the the coaching change because he's uh, was a, rec- he's a receiver's coach. And it helps, yeah. to, have, it help, helps to have a Justin Jet number 18, in your corner uh, saying that, hey, you probably should keep this guy. So um, he's got the respect of two of the best players on the team, and he does a good job. And he was a, amazing. I covered him when he was uh, second year in the league in 1991 when, or 92. When Belichick brought him into Cleveland now, as a Plan B free agent, uh, and uh, what I think he wore number twelve, we were like, uh, didn't take long. we're like, who, we had, we had a, a program or a roster, and we said, who, "Who's this number twelve, Keenan McCardo?" like, and he ended up, you know, having like an eighteen-year career or whatever. It was. it was great. I was great in fantasy yeah. football. I loved him. Yeah. So um, uh, a little off topic, but uh, they're they're <laughs> trying to to. to uh, Help them get help get like the not not so much focusing on we, we need to get so and so to become a head coach, it's laying the groundwork of cultivating hey, more guys need to become be the quarterbacks coach, more guys need to be the um, you know, start out um, as a receiver's coach and, and work your way up. Um, now will that will that work? Uh, who knows? Um, but it's after the end. No, it's yeah, it's uh, it's opportunities, but it, it's, I think it's a different way of looking at it. Instead of saying, uh, like, the guys who have already been coordinators, why aren't they a head coach? Why aren't, why aren't yeah. they the head coach? It's like creating more more swings at it, you know, like letting these guys say, hey, you know, you could be uh, be the quarterback's coach, then you'd be the offensive coordinator, then be the head coach. So, I don't know. It's uh, I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, that a guy who's been a head coach in the league and – the fifty, mid-fifty, late fifties white guy that's uh, apparently spearheaded this. He's uh, he's the assistant head coach. He's going to help out on the defense, and then for them to do something like this, you know, the Vikings kind of they are a, kind of a cutting edge. To uh, you know, they had Kevin Warren in the past. They uh, they've had uh, you know Kelly Klein. They've had. Uh, I'm I'm try. I apologize, but I'm drawing a blank on the name. But they've had women up in their high up in their organization. Um, yeah, Mark, when I, I, I,
0: Yeah, I went to a uh, LGBTQ seminar that it resulted of from the the incident with uh, with uh, the old special teams coach and 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 the punter. God, I can't remember names anymore. Um, but they had a they had a seminar out there. I had always brought all these people, and I thought it was fantastic. It was something they they continue to do. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you. They are kind of, you know, out in the forefront with some of that, with, with, with some progressive ideas as far as how this goes. And I'm fascinated by that thing that you said that, that assistant coaches in, in college are getting paid more than the assistant.
1: I don't know if it's more. I just know that, that it's, I haven't, I didn't do the story on it. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that they're, that college coaches are being paid a lot of money. I don't know if you, yeah, noticed that but um, in the past it was probably hey you know I can make this being in college probably not much at all and I can go to the NFL and now it might be like hey I'm comfortable at Alabama I'm comfortable at Ohio State uh, wherever yeah
0: yeah they're, they're certainly making money and now the players are making money and you know uh, and there's a good reason why they're all making money because the colleges were making money so it, 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 it makes sense and I you know the pro the pro teams are generally making some pretty decent money too you know if they're selling tickets and merchandise and TV rights and everything else so I, I I'm all for it you know get these you know bring bring people up to speed for what they deserve give them the opportunity to have a job and if they if they are not cut out for it then they're not gonna you know go further but you know it's it's ultimately opportunity and uh um and then from that point. Yeah, you make the best of what you got. So uh, it, it's, it's a great thing to hear. I, I hope it, I hope it continues, and I hope it it it, uh, it uh, flourishes under Petten. And you agree with me? Um,
1: I agree with you, Joe. <laughs> <Thumbs up. laughs>
0: yeah, that's a rarity on the show. Um, okay, well, you know, I don't have a whole lot more this week. It's uh, we're heading into the uh, the holiday week, so I, I'm sure the Vikings will be have trotting out some more players this week to uh, talk to the media. And so we'll be back next week to talk about some of that. In the meantime, you can think about it. Uh, uh, the date of a, another great Minnesotan who's celebrating his 81st birthday today. And that's Bob Dylan. I, are you a Bob Dylan fan at all? Mark, you should be your one of uh,
1: us. I was a Bob Dylan fan when I was like a freshman in college. It was on Friday nights and, and one of those Friday nights where you couldn't remember, Sarah, you couldn't remember on uh, Saturday morning. you didn't remember Saturday night. So, uh, <laughs> but as far as the, the music, I when I listened to it with a clear head, I was not as much of a fan as I was whenever uh, I had, had a few pops in me. And there is, is nice right there revoking can, your one of us right there. Can I say that in Minnesota? I, I you just I down. really I hey I love Prince though I loved love Prince so.
0: You won't be on my Bob Dylan podcast. That's all I'm going to say. You know, Um, we're going to have have it at Mankato Brewery. You know, for see that back there. No, there there. you go. There you go. Um, no, Bob Dylan's 81 today, and 81 is the number I wore in high school, so it all comes around. You know, and all about you. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and I'm sure all the, the listeners have gone. But anyway, thanks, folks, for tuning in. Mark, thanks for being here and sharing your knowledge and and insight. And, uh, thanks Mike Walden behind the scenes for, uh, putting it all together. And thanks Joe Johnson for getting us here in the first place until next week when we try it again and do it again, uh, come on back and school.